Good morning. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew 25. We'll be there in just a minute. Uh, it's been a little bit of a crazy week and a stressful week if you're following the election. Uh, but uh, every time we come to an election, every four years, there's there's a, a winner, and so there, there are people that are excited, and then there are people that are disappointed. And so no matter where you fall in that uh, category, uh, we just have to be reminded today that God is in control. Amen. And uh, God has a plan. He's got a purpose. And our, our role doesn't change. Like our, our, our role as a church and as a follower of Christ is to continue to make disciples. We push through. We push forward. And uh, I'm really hopeful. I'm, I'm expecting uh, God to do something really great uh, this year. As crazy as 2020 uh, has been, I'm hopeful. I'm excited. I'm trusting that God is going to do uh, something uh, great. And so I, that's why I really want us to uh, begin to move our, our attention and our focus in a different way. I, th- I think it's been really negative and really uh, really divisive over the last several weeks. And so now uh, as, as we move forward, I think as Christians, we recognize our mission is the same. Our job uh, is the same. And, and it's, it's important that you follow your calling, uh, whatever that calling and whatever that purpose is. And so that's why uh, I wanna move your attention towards the idea of making it count or making your life actually count. We don't wanna waste our life. We want to make our life uh, count. And so that's the question that I want us to wrestle with today and throughout this series is how can we make our life count? And as we go through this series, I'm gonna be able to share uh, our 2021 uh, vision for FC. And so I'm excited to really unpack a lot of this and share some of these exciting things that are uh, gonna happen. And if you're new to FC, we don't collect offerings at FC except for one in the month of December. It's called the vision offering. And every year uh, we talk about where God is leading us as a church. And then we, we ask everyone to, to give a one-time gift and a, and a commitment to give over and above what they normally uh, give towards this vision offering. And that vision offering fuels all the ministries that we talk about in this series and all the things that we wanna do. And so I, I hope that you'll begin to sincerely pray about how God would lead you to give uh, this year. Again, that'll be in December. But I think most of us want our life to count for something. I think most of us would, would say, yeah, I want my life to, to, to be a part of something that is good. We wanna live life to the fullest. We wanna live with purpose. We want our life to, to be lived with, with meaning. But the reality is oftentimes we just don't know how to do that sometimes. And we get caught up in the pace of life and we just start following culture and start following this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to graduate high school. I'm supposed to go to college. I'm supposed to, you know, get married and have kids and have a house. And we get so busy with all these things that sometimes we forget to step back and to actually think about like, what am I doing with my life? And when we were younger, people would always ask us, you remember when you were a kid and they would say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And if you're in high school or college, you know, you're, you're getting those questions like, what are you going to, what are you going to do now? And some of us are older and and uh, you, you kind of live that and now, okay, we're, we're here in the present. And I guess the question for us is, is, is like, are you today who you wanted to become? Are you here right now today, what you dreamed of being? Are, are, are you actually doing what you wanted to do? These are good questions for us to wrestle with. And, and I want us to be honest. And I think a lot of us, you know, we define success differently. Uh, you probably heard this quote before, but the quote is, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top, that ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. 
So the idea here is it kind of depends on what your view of success is to, to know whether or not I'm who I wanted to be or things are going well for me. But if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every single step you take is leading you to the wrong place. It's leading you to the wrong destination. So we need to know that our ladder is actually in the right place, right? Uh, so how do you know? How do you know if it is? How do you know if you're walking the right path? How do you know you're making the right decisions and prioritizing the right things? And I think, again, it kind of comes down to how we define success. And a lot of people in our culture are gonna define set, success by how much money you make. And so let's just make a lot of money. And if we do that, then I'm gonna feel like my life really counted. But if you think about it, most of us are probably making more money today than we were 10 years ago. And we all realize that, that that extra cash hasn't really made us feel more significant, has it? Some people think that uh, it's about being famous. And so if I can get more famous, if I can get that blue uh, check mark by my name, uh, my Twitter handle, then I know that you know, I'm making my life count and things are, are, are going well for me. But we all know people in our own life who impacted us who weren't famous. And so we know that's not the case. Sometimes we think, well, I've got to do something that really makes a difference. And so I want my name in the history books. And if I get my name in the history books, then I'll know that I actually made my life count. But again, we know that there are people whose names aren't gonna be in the history books that significantly impacted you in a positive way. So where do we start? Where do we start today in this series? Where do you start in your life to think in terms of this? And I think Stephen Covey's uh, book, if you've ever read it, it's great. Uh, it's, it's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, one of the things that he talks about is if you want to live a successful or you know, a life that makes an impact, one of the first things that you need to do is, is uh, think in terms of what the end is gonna be. In other words, start with the end in mind. Think about who you wanna be at the end of your life. He talks about what do you want your funeral to look like and, to, and what do you want people to say about you and kind of go through this whole scenario and process and uh, you know, what do you want people to say about you? What do you want your life to be about? What do you wanna be known for? So you kind of think in terms of what the end is and as you think about that end of, of where you want to end up and, 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 and accomplish, then you can start to have clarity around this picture of who you wanna be. And so today you can actually create a plan that helps you get there. I hope that makes sense. And so today that's what I want us to do. I want us to start with the end in mind as we start this new series. I want us to make our life count. And if, if you wanna make your life count, if, if you wanna live your life to the fullest, fulfill your purpose, and we've gotta start with the end in mind. And so in Matthew 25, we're gonna start in verse 31 here. He is in, in the context of chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is talking about the end of the age. The disciples had come to Jesus and they said, hey, how do we know when the end is coming? How do we know when you're gonna come back? How do we know when the end of the age is gonna be here? We, what do we need to do? And, and Jesus says, there are gonna be some signs that you need to look for. And so he talks about these signs and, and, and what's gonna happen. And, and so he, he begins to actually use some parables too. And a, a parable is a story that Jesus told that has a point. And so he shares some stories and, and some parables that have a point. And the basic point of the, of the, of the par parables are, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. So you gotta be ready. You know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? You've heard that before. And, and that's kind of the idea of these parables, like stay ready. Jesus could return tonight. 
And if we live in and with that mindset, then we can be ready no matter when he returns. And so in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, this is really a fulfillment of Daniel 7. This is kind of uh, t- talking about that prophecy and making that connection. And, and in verse 31 is where I wanna start. So if you've got your Bibles, let's take a look. If you don't, let's look up here at the screen. It starts like this. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Let's just pause for just a second here. And I wanna make sure that we understand the, the, the context of this passage. Some people get this scenario when Jesus comes uh, in his glory with all the angels with him and sits on his glorious throne. So that is the second coming of Jesus, not to be confused with what we know as the rapture. The rapture, we, he, he alludes to the rapture in Matthew 24 and 1 Thessalonians chapter four, it talks about the rapture. Rapture means to be caught up. And so when, when Christ raptures his church, the dead in Christ will rise first. All those who are alive and in Christ will, 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 will get a glorified body. We'll meet Jesus in the air and he will take us to heaven. That's what we know as the rapture. We don't know when that day is gonna come, uh, but we live in light of that day. We know it could happen at any moment. And so after the church is raptured out of and, 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 and taken to heaven, then the, the great tribulation happens on earth. It's a seven year period and a lot of uh, terrible, awful things happen during uh, the tribulation. If you've ever read Revelations, you've probably been freaked out a time or two, but all this apocalyptic nature, you see um, uh, things like plagues and stars falling from the sky and people living in caves. And, and so all the movies that we watch that are these apocalyptic type, um, you know, disastrous movies, this, this is the idea. That's what's gonna happen during uh, those seven years and many thousands, uh, uh, millions of people will die during that time. And then we have the second coming of Christ. And the second coming of Christ, he comes with his glorious angels. And at the battle of Armageddon, Jesus, we are with him, defeat the armies of Satan at the battle of Armageddon. And then after the battle of Armageddon, Jesus establishes his reign on earth, but not before this final judgment scene takes place. The battle is won, the judgment takes place, and then his eternal everlasting kingdom uh, will be established. So now that we got all of that cleared up, we can move on. Is that crystal clear? We got it, like apocalypse, all that stuff. All right, let's keep going. I know that was kind of a a quick, brief overview, but I want us to keep that in mind. Uh, Verse 32. Before him will be gathered all nations. So every single human being ever created will be here on that day. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you uh, hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, 
you did it to me. Then we will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the reading of his word. Father, this is a pivotal passage in the New Testament. And I pray for those who do not know where their eternity lies, that today you would open up hearts and eyes and speak to us and save some. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're taking notes, the first thing we wanna see here is this reality that your time to make a difference is limited. Your time to make a difference is limited. Now, we read this, this passage and we see that there is a final judgment. We see that, that there is a time when Jesus is gonna you know, come again and he's going to judge the earth. He's gonna judge all people, all nations in this one event. And so it reminds us that our time to make a difference is limited. With each tick of the clock, every moment your life um, is going by one second at a time. And so this can be depressing or it can be motivating. We can get depressed about this or it can excite us and get us moving forward. We don't like to talk about this, but every single one of us, our time on earth will end. And so when we keep that in mind, we can begin to understand where our priorities need to lie today. Think about this, if the doctor said that you have six months to live, what would you do? How would you prioritize differently? How, how would things you know, change in your life if that was a reality? And, and I've seen this happen to people. I've seen people go through this. Uh, my family's kind of walked through this. And so I know what tends to happen for believers is, is that they, they, they start to forgive people more easily. They ask for forgiveness. They pr prioritize God in their life. They, they start to, to, to start thinking about others more so than they're thinking about themselves. So often in that scenario, people start to question, did my life count? Instead of waiting for that news, what if we honestly took that to heart today and we said, you know what, let's think through this. Let's think with the end in mind. My time is limited. I wanna make a difference. I hope everybody here has a lot of time left, but if we lived our life every day like it was a gift, if we lived our life with this keen awareness that our time on earth is limited, I think our priorities would begin to shift. I think we would start enjoying taking our kids to practice instead of uh, begging our spouse to do it in, in our place. I think we'd probably start reading our Bible more. I think we'd probably start working and giving more time and attention to our marriage and our relationships. I was reminded about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, a few weeks ago, we went around Cades Cove Loop. Uh, you've driven the Cades Cove Loop. Anybody done that? Uh, I think most of us have. And we kind of we go slowly because people from up north have to stop and watch squirrels running around in trees and take pictures. And so that, that happens. And so, uh, no, we, 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 were, we were going around the loop and we stopped at one of those old, you know, small country churches that they have on the loop. And so we went out, we were walking around it and 
Uh, they have those old cemeteries there and some really uh, old tombstones. And so as I was walking through, there, I, I think there's nothing that kind of reminds us of the finality of life than, than being uh, at a graveyard. And uh, that's kind of where I was at. And I'm reading all these signs and all, you know, all of the um, dates. And I got to this one individual and he was a, a young man who had died in the first war. And the time frame was 1895 and he had died in 1917. And as I'm looking at the beautiful you know, scenery around, I, I'm looking at this tombstone and here's a guy who sacrificed his life to, to help preserve the freedom that we have here in America. And I'm looking, it looked like he was 22 years old. And I'm thinking, man, what was his life like? You got, you got 1895, then you got this little dash and you've got 1917. He had a short time frame to make a difference. And that dash in between those numbers really represents his life. And every single one of us, when we die, we're gonna have a tombstone and it's gonna have that little dash as well. It's gonna represent how you spent your life. And I thought about it and I thought, man, I wonder if this guy knew Jesus. I wonder what his greatest moments in life were. I wonder what his biggest regrets were. I wonder who he loved. I wonder who he left behind and who mourned over his loss. I wonder if he made his life count, if he thought he made his life count. And I, I think when we come to this concept and idea, it's so valuable and important for us to actually take time to think about the end, to think about how we want our life to end, who do we wanna be and how do we wanna be remembered? I love this translation of Psalm 90. It says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. What a great prayer that we could begin to pray that right now as a church and moving forward as we close out this really long, crazy year. God, that, that you would teach us to number our days, that you would help us to start with the end in mind and understand that my time here is limited. So I, I need to get my act together. I gotta stop waiting until I graduate. I gotta stop waiting until I get married. I gotta stop waiting until I get a job. I gotta stop waiting until I get a raise. We're always waiting and waiting and waiting. We've gotta wake up and we've gotta be willing to do something now that makes a difference. Your time is limited. So we could sum it up like this. Make the most of it. Every single one of us, make the most of it. Let's not wait until we get sick. Let's not wait until the doctor tells us we only have months to live. Uh, let's do it now. Let's ask the Lord how we could, could number our days now and as a church rally together and give together and serve together and do ministry together that truly impacts and makes a huge difference in East Tennessee and beyond. We read this passage, we see the reality of a final judgment. Like the reality of the final judgment. All people, it doesn't matter what political opinion you had, uh, it doesn't matter what country you lived in or what color of skin or, or any of that, none of that matters. Every single one of us will stand before Jesus on that day with this final judgment period. Uh, many won't be prepared for this day. And it will be too late to change in that moment. It'll all be over. Like there's, there, there is not a, a second chance on that day to repent or to put your faith in Jesus. It will be too late. And so we look at this and we see this reality. And then Jesus, as he is separating us, one on the left, one group on the right, one group on the left, 
He is, he, he's giving us a, fine, a final warning and he's also showing us that every single one of us will live forever somewhere. If you notice in verse 46, you might circle in your Bible the word eternal. He says it twice. To those who lived wickedly, he says, uh, and, and let me just rephrase that. It wasn't that they lived wickedly, it was that they didn't do ministry. And for them, he was sending them to eternal punishment. We don't like to admit that. We don't like to think about that. We think God's a God of love and he's not gonna do this. But if you read your Bible, you see time and time again that Jesus gives us a very clear warning. If you do not receive Jesus by faith, if that faith is not evidenced by ministry, this final reality is that you will spend an eternity separated from God and eternal punishment. And then this other group, the, the righteous, who they, were, they had faith in Christ, they were, they were, they were doing ministry uh, in the name of, of, of Christ. He says, you're gonna inherit eternal life. And so on that day, it will be an exciting, joyous day for those who know Jesus. We'll see Jesus on that day and we will see him as you know, our king, our savior, our brother. You know, He's our shepherd. This will be a great, glorious day for us. But if your faith is not in Christ, it will be a very scary day. This final judgment is gonna be confusing. In verse 44, if you look at it, those who uh, didn't have their faith in Christ, what did they say? They said, when did we not do these things for you, Jesus? When did we, when did we see you and not do this? And Jesus's point here is, listen, if you didn't do it to one of the least of these, if you didn't do it to someone else, then you didn't do it to or for me. And I can hear the argument on that day. Well, well, Jesus, if I had known it was you, I certainly would have served. I certainly would have shared my, my resources and I, sh- I certainly would have, would, have, would have helped you. I didn't know it was you. And so what is his point here? I think his point is clear. It's like if you're only uh, helping because you're gonna get recognized by Jesus, if you're only helping because of the rewards someone is gonna give you, if you're only doing ministry because you have to, you're missing the point. Maybe you work with somebody, they're always trying to brown nose the boss, right? Trying to make sure the boss knows that they were there early, <clears throat> trying to make sure they give the compliment or the whatever. And, 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 and Jesus's point is, listen, if you don't help the least of these, then you're not helping me. If you're just doing it for a reward or recognition, if you're doing ministry so that somebody will pat you on the back, that is not generosity, a heart of generosity. It's really selfishness disguised as service. And so Jesus is telling us, I'm gonna be the judge. There is a final judgment. And if Jesus is your savior today, this will be a blessed, joyous time. But those who are not would be divided and they will experience eternal punishment. His decision is based on one criteria. His decision, what will be decided, uh, the deciding factor is the evidence of your life. In other words, you're not going to be able to bank on or argue your case. Well, Jesus, before you do that, before I go on the left side, let me just remind you of the prayer I prayed as a teenager. Let me remind you of my baptism date. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. None of that matters. What matters is did you have faith in Christ and did you have evidence of that faith in your life? That's the great equalizer, the evidence of your faith. 
And he goes into six different ministry areas. These are commonly known as ministries of mercy. And these are the basic needs of humanity. When you boil down everything that we need, these are like the basic needs of humanity. And Jesus is saying, these are the the, the types of ministry that my people will be involved in. These are the types of things that you will do. It's not gonna be about your knowledge. It's not gonna be about what you said you believed or what you professed about. He's telling us that if you have faith in me, then you will care for people. So the question I ask when I read this is like, okay, well, who are these people? Who are the least of these? Um, I think it's important to, to know because we have a lot of misconception about this. If you look at verse 40, let's look at it again. You might circle this phrase. He says, and the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, circle this phrase, my brothers, you did it to me. So let's be clear here. What Jesus is saying is that we are doing these ministries of mercy for my brothers. Who are brothers? There's one of two areas. It could be blood brothers, you know, like James, the half brother of Jesus. He's saying, if you do it to, you know, my brother James, then you get to go and that's evidence for heaven and that's probably not the case. What's more likely is that this brother, and this is how Jesus often um, quantifies his church, his, his disciples, that he is saying, my brothers represent those who have faith in Christ, those that belong to the church. And so it's essentially him saying, my brothers, when you do it for those in God's church, it's like you are doing it for me and to me. So let's not get that uh, you know, mixed up here. It's not that social justice in the world is gonna save you. This doesn't mean that we don't serve and help those who are less fortunate or serve the poor or help the poor. I mean, the Good Samaritan teaches that. Jesus says, if you only love those who love you, what good is that? You know, love your, love your enemies, serve those who despise you is, is, is his command. And so we see other parts of the New Testament that teach us that as Christians, yeah, we wanna bless all of these different groups, but specifically, I find it incredibly uh, interesting that as we think about the end and this final judgment, Jesus points us to how you specifically cared for people in God's church. Verse 27, they say, when did we see you? When did we see you? We were just serving. We were just doing ministry. These are the righteous. When did we see you? And uh, the righteous never saw the king. They never saw him as, uh, as Jesus. And his point is that every time, no matter who or how insignificant you thought it was, every time you served or helped someone else, you did ministry towards someone else, it is as if you were doing it for Jesus himself. The righteous are known by the judge, by their good deeds. And so, it's, it's not based on what you said that gets you into heaven. It's based on the ministry that you did and the faith that you, uh, you, you uh, experienced. And so let's not get that uh, confused this morning. We're not saved by our good works. We're not saved by social justice. But when our faith is authentic and real, believers of Christ will show evidence that Jesus has changed us by the ministry that we are a part of. So just boil it down to this statement. His judgment does not depend on the knowledge, fame, or money we have gained, but on the help that we have given. That's what it boils down to. Faith in Christ and the help 
that we have given. It's not in knowledge how much we know about church or know about the Bible or know about God. It's not how famous we are. It's not about money uh, either given or, or made, but it's on the help, the ministry that we have given, the ministry that we have served in. So as I'm reading this, about a year and a half ago, I'm reading this, I'm just going through, just in my personal prayer, prayer life and, and, and time with the Lord, I'm reading through Matthew. And I get to chapter 25 and I get to the final judgment. And I've read it hundreds of times, just like you, you, you've experienced this. You've read something hundreds of times. But for whatever reason, that day as I was reading it, it was like the Holy Spirit just, you know, threw a ton of bricks on my head. And, 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 and the question that I started asking in that moment is how are we as a church doing in these six specific areas? Right? Like, like if I'm the leader, if I'm the pastor, my job is to equip you to do ministry. Am I structuring the ministry in a way that, that you can get equipped and that you have an opportunity? Now it's up to you, no matter how great of a job I do, it's up to you if you're actually gonna step into roles and actually make a difference and make your life count and serve and do ministry. But am I doing my part? And so I just wrestled with God and I started to write some things down and I started to write things down that we had talked about in 2020 about our vision and what we wanted to do and, and, and just started to dream and, and pray and, and uh, God just began to put things on my heart. And so, you, you know, the 2020 vision is what we've been talking about for the last year and a half, two years. And a lot of that is still incorporated in, in what we want to do moving forward. But, but specifically our 2021 vision, our theme is make it count. Like, so for the next year, you're gonna hear me talk about make it count, make it count, make it count, because this is gonna get our focus and our intention on where I believe God is calling us as a church. And so specifically, let's think about these six ministries that Jesus points to. He starts with hunger. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. So I started asking God, like, God, how is our church helping with the, 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 the needs of those who might be hungry in our area? And, and so I started writing down, well, we're connected to Second Harvest Food Bank and you know, we, we, we do food drives and we send volunteers over there to, to, to serve in, in that ministry and, and they're feeding thousands and providing food to, to thousands of people. So that's great. We do something called Food for Kids. And so every weekend, those uh, kids who uh, are a little underprivileged, they don't have you know, necessary food on the weekend. So we, we pack that food. They get to take that home over the weekend uh, when they leave school. So, but I'm thinking, God, how do we do more? Is that enough? Is that all we do? And I don't think so. I think there's more. So what do we do? What, what, what can we do? I was reading a stat because I think, well, we're in America and we have too much food, you know? And so is, is, is this really uh, an issue? Is it a, a problem? And according to the USDA's latest household food insecurity in the United States report, <laughs> that's a mouthful, they said in 2019, 35 million people in the United States struggled with hunger. This year, because of the pandemic, they're estimating upwards of 50 million people. And so I'm asking the question, what could we do more as a church? Jesus says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. So I'm thinking, well, we live in America. We've got, we've got Dasani water bottles everywhere. We're, we, got, we got faucets and we got tap water. Well, what is this, God? What do, what do we do? And, 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 and how do we do something different? And, and, uh, and, and one of our staff members said, well, what about when there's a catastrophe? What if there's a hurricane? What if there's a flood? What if there's a tornado? You know, one of the first things people need in that scenario, clean water, fresh water. And so as a Southern Baptist church, we're partnered with the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Ministry. So we're already funding it, but wouldn't it be amazing if some of you guys 
decided, you know what, that's what I could do. I'm gonna get trained and when there's a disaster, I'll be the first boots on the ground in that area to take water for those who are thirsty. I'll be there to help and do whatever I need to do to kind of clean up the area and help in this time of need. I thought, well, what else can we do, God? Are we doing enough? And so we started researching organizations that are creating wells all over the world for, for communities that, that just don't have access to fresh water. And so we'll be sharing some of that, talking about that as we move forward. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. So I thought, oh, we got this one, God. We got this one because our guest services team is, is amazing. We've got a journey team. So these are volunteers that, that help uh, new people to our church, find Jesus, connect to Jesus, connect to small groups and ministries. And we've got this beautiful system and things are going great. And about 50 first time guests come on FC every, every single Sunday and, and they're doing wonderful. And God said, what about all the immigrants in your area? What are you doing for them? And so we started thinking and we started to pray, like, what can we do? There's so many people that don't live in or who have moved into our community from outside uh, countries. So you can have a political opinion about it, but you can't have a spiritual um, uh, reason to ignore it. Amen to that? And so what do we do? How could we minister? Now, one of our partners said, you know what, there's a lot of foreign exchange students at Maryville College right down the road. So uh, she started a ministry that reaches out to them and cares for them. And that's been amazing. But what more can we do, God? What are you calling us uh, to do? I was naked and you clothed me. So what, what are we doing to help in this area as a church? And I thought, well, we're partnering with CARM. God, you know, we have Knox Area Rescue Ministries. We send volunteers there and they serve in there and, and we donate clothes and, and uh, we encourage, instead of doing garage sales and making your $350, donate uh, that clothing and, and, and give that away so that, so that people can be blessed by that. And every time you do at CARM, they, uh, and you say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member at Foothills Church or I go to Foothills, then they send us every month gift cards. And so when a, a needy family comes in and says, yeah, we just really need help to get clothes or whatever, then boom, we've got gift cards we can give to them. They can go there, they can get uh, clothing. And that's amazing. And so we've been talking about what more, what else can we do? It's getting cold. Should we, should we gather some coats and give those away? What can we do, God? How do we do this? And how do we do it? Well, I was sick and you visited me. What do we do? Well, we've got a deacon ministry. When people are sick, they're in the hospital. These deacons, men and women, by the way, the Bible does not say if you came from a Baptist church that deacons have to be men. Um, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. But so we've got, we've, got a, we, we've got a deacon ministry and they visit people that are in the hospital. They're sick and they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're helping. We want you to be in a small group. Why? Because when you're in a small group, you're cared for. You know, that small group, people are caring for you when you're sick and, and, um, and, 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 and helping identify what needs that, that you have. But what more can we do, Lord? Going through a pandemic, is there something more we can do? Uh, we wanna be on the front lines of that. And then, and then the, the, the whole idea of I was in prison and you came to visit me. And this was the, the biggest brick that, that hit me right between the eyes and, and, uh, and, and, and hurt, it stung. Because we had, we had a couple of guys going to a, a, a prison doing a Bible study over the last couple of years. And, 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 and I'm reading this and I'm, I'm, I'm burned by it. And so I was like, his name's BJ Watson. And I was like, BJ, I wanna come with you. We, we need to get something going in this area. And, and then right when we were about to do it, there was a riot at the prison. And so then it was shut down, locked down for a while. And then COVID hit and everything just kind of kept getting in the way. And, and so I was like, God, how, how, do we, how do we do this? What do you want us to do? And, and how would this even work? Like, how does it fit into everything else that, that you're calling us to do? And, 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 and how, what is the, even the best way? I know there are thousands of 
men and women who believe in Jesus that are in prison. And, and God reminded me, he said, I've, I've told you to multiply your campus. I want you to start churches, right? That's why we're going to Knoxville. You know, because we're a, a better church than anybody else, but because the Great Commission calls us to go and God's gifted us in some ways. He's burdened us for that area. And so we're gonna go. And uh, we don't know how it's gonna work and what's gonna happen, but we know uh, we need more healthy churches. More healthy churches doing healthy ministries is a good thing for the community. We need more healthy churches. And so I don't care what part of the world you're in, we need more. And so God laid this on our heart and we've been pursuing Knoxville for uh, many months, uh, even years. And so we're finally taking huge steps in that area with our Beard and Bible Study. If you're in Knoxville, we want you to be a part of our Beard and Bible Study. But I started thinking, well, what about prison? How does that even fit in? And God said, well, multiply your campus, Trent, put a church in a prison. Hey, I don't know how to do that, God. And uh, it didn't take us long to realize that there are ministries that help churches plant churches in prisons. And so we've been doing research and we found a great organization and um, we're gonna need volunteers and we're gonna need resources to pull it off. But how cool would it be? How amazing, how life-changing would it be for us on Sunday morning to say, hey, welcome to Foothills Church. If you're in Maryville, we're glad you're here. And if you're in Knoxville, we're so glad that you're a part of what God is doing here. And if you're a part of Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, we are glad that you are a part of Foothills Church at all, uh, as well. Uh, I don't think that exists anymore, by the way, but it's the only one I can think of in my head. How cool would that be? That's life, that's life transforming, isn't it? That, that's making a, a difference on a whole nother, on a whole, whole nother level. And let me just remind you that there aren't many people in the history of the world that can say that they were part of planning a church. That's special. And I don't want you guys to, to, to um, forget about how special and unique and powerful that actually is. So uh, we wanna continue uh, to multiply campuses. But then secondly, as we make it count, the I stands for we wanna improve our campus. And so We've been in this process for, for many months now as we look at renovating the, the next door space. Ever since we bought it when it was Thunderworld, we haven't done a, a ton to it. We created some space on the, on the west side, but that east side of the building just kind of remained the same. It's been different things and it is time. We know we need space for babies. We need space uh, for three, four, five-year-olds and second floor is gonna be staff uh, uh, offices and space and uh, rooms for base camp and camp twos and uh, camp threes and all these uh, great things. And so it is necessary that we move forward. And I would encourage you, please pray for our elders tonight because tonight we have to make some decisions about this and um, we wanna make the right decisions on the loan and numbers and all that good stuff and, and uh, just praying and trusting that God's people are going uh, to fund uh, with resources God's vision here at FC and propel us further faster. So appreciate your prayers. And then finally, we want to create ministries. And so as I've just gone through these six ministries, that's, that's really our focus uh, for the next year. We wanna, we, we realize the pandemic has kind of limited how we can go overseas and travel and those kinds of things. And so it all lines up. I, I feel like God prepared us for this moment. Like our ministry focus in these six areas and, and, and multiplying campuses, improving this campus, creating these ministries that we don't have and improving the ones that already exist. This is exactly what we need to do and where we're going as a church. And in the atrium for the next several weeks, volunteers can help you with any of these things that you wanna get more involved in. Please visit our website too. It's a brand new page that talks about each one of these areas. And, and so I'm hopeful, 
Um, and if we are, are starting with the end in mind, this is who we want to be. This is what's going to happen at the end of the age when Jesus, Jesus comes to judge the world. These are the criteria. This is the criteria that he is going to use. Then, then why would we wait? Why wouldn't we get together today and say, let's do as much as we can with the time that he's given to us because that day is coming. Now, I wanna, I wanna draw your attention to one more word. Every word in the Bible is, is, is important. When we look at this phrase, he says in verse 40, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it to me. So this is not just a social justice passage. Let's, I just wanna repeat that. Social justice does not save you. Jesus's question or, or statement here is that you did it to me. When you do these things, you did it to me. So the question that all of us have to wrestle with is what are you doing for Jesus today? What are you doing with Jesus? Is he your king? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? And if so, the evidence already shows that you are serving him. You, you have a ministry and you're doing ministry for others that, that serve him. And for others, maybe you realize that you just don't have faith in him. You're banking on a prayer. You're banking on the fact that you believe in God. So what do we have to do? How do we wrap this up today? We gotta start preparing for the end today. Start preparing today. Homework is to get that picture of who you wanna be who you wanna be known for, what do you wanna do and be, and then today I can start preparing to get to that end. I wanna have the right priorities and I wanna have the right focus. And when Jesus says these six areas are important, I wanna do everything that I can to be a part of that. Because I wanna make sure on that day with my faith in Christ, he looks at me and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Some of you have never put your faith in Jesus. Some of you have never given your life to him. You've never experienced forgiveness. You've never said, you know what, I, I, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I'm turning from this lifestyle and I am turning to you. And the rest of your life is an attitude of repentance. It's not just a one-time deal, forgive me, God, I'm sorry, and then you move on. No, when I give my faith and trust to Jesus, it's a lifestyle of repentance. I need repentance every day. I need forgiveness every day. And some of us, I, I do believe in the South, just kind of walk around and live our life as if everything's good because I try to be a good person and I go to church. And so that's why I pray and my prayer today has been, if there's someone here today who is not sure and, and, and doubts their salvation and reads passages like this and, 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 and doubt is all over your head and your mind that, that you would make a decision today that, that, that gives your heart and life to Jesus and you start living for him today because that's the first and most important decision you'll ever make. Can't talk about anything in the future and vision and keeping the end in mind if, if, if we don't do that first step today. And I wanna give some of you that chance to do it. If you've never done it, if you're watching from home, you can, you can do this as well. Let me just ask you to bow your heads and I just wonder, kind of in the quietness of this room and space, I'm not gonna call you out or say anything or ask you to you know, point you out, but I just wanna know who I'm talking to today. I just wonder if there's anybody in here who would just slip up their hand and, and answer this question if this is them. And 
Is there anybody in here that would just say, I doubt my salvation and, 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 and I, I believe that I need to give my life to Christ. Is there, is there anybody here that would say that? You would just lift up your hand high. I see you, sir. I see one. Anybody else? Looking, I've seen one. Anybody else? I see you guys up, up in the far balcony. Three, I see you. Okay, so we've got a few folks. Sir, I see that. If you want to give your life to Christ, the prayer is simple, but it's about your heart. It's nothing magical about the prayer. It's about the heart that you have behind this decision. If you want to give your life to Christ today, just simply utter these words to Jesus. Just say, God, confess that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the grave and I receive him into my life today. I give you my life, Jesus, right here, right now. Save me. I turn from sin, I turn to you, God. I want my life to count for you. Now, if that was a commitment that you just made, Part of the issue with some of this doubt is that you've never told anybody. You've never done anything with it. And so that's the challenge for you today. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna encourage you to do two things, or one of two things. Scan that code with your phone that's in the chair in front of you. Fill out that form that simply says, I gave my life to Christ. Or in just a minute, when you walk out these doors, you go to the care and prayer room and you tell them, I just gave my life to Jesus. And they'll give you some resources, they'll encourage you, they'll high five you. It's the greatest decision that you've ever made. Father, we take this seriously. Your word is serious. And so those in the room that just gave their life to you today, I pray that you would bless them, God, and that you would, you would just give them confidence in you, confidence in your work, God, that you would encourage them today, bless them today. God, that you would do incredible things in their life. God, as a church, we wanna make our life count. We wanna be faithful to your word. And so as we create ministries, as we multiply campuses, as we, we seek to renovate space, to uh, create new space for families and kids to meet you and be trained in you and to partner with parents, God, we get our minds on e an eternal perspective our hearts are so, in so many ways, just divided in this country and discouraged in this country. And God, we need hope in you and we trust that you're gonna do something great. And that's why we partner together as a church. And so God, we love you, we praise you. I'm thankful for the decisions that have been made today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey church, let's give a round of applause for Jesus and those who just made a decision this morning. Let's stand and worship. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.